0: If you have a Bible or a device, I'd invite you to turn to John chapter one. A few years ago, went on a short trip to England and have a photo. And in this photo, my brother-in-law and I are sitting in the lobby of the Tate Modern Museum, and we're reading, each reading a newspaper. My wife and my sister were still looking at the different exhibits in the museum, the different uh, works of art. But here we were reading the newspaper. Why? Well, because nothing interested us. Interested, we were interested in nothing. Now, in fairness to my brother-in-law and I, it was our, I think, the third museum of the day. Um, we're in the series, What If Everything Jesus Said Was True?, And we're looking at John's account in the Gospel of John as he shares with us about Jesus Christ. And we have been looking the past number of weeks at the works of Christ. John, he would have been um, quite old at the time he wrote this letter, and he would have been sharing the stories about Jesus just hundreds of times. People, John, what was it like when Jesus turned the water into wine? John, what was it like when people gathered on a mountain to hear him preach the Sermon on the Mount. John, what was it like? And so John, as an older man, some five decades later, after the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus, wrote it down for us. And the reason he wrote it down is so that we would know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing we might have life, eternal life, in his name. And so we've been looking at the works of Jesus that John shares with us. But before that, he begins his gospel with the person of Jesus, who Jesus is. And so, for this Sunday and next Sunday, as we're uh, getting closer to Christmas, we're going to look at who Jesus is. And John wants us to see that Jesus is not simply a character who lived 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, but that Jesus is relevant to every single person down through human history. And maybe today you're going through life and Jesus doesn't really interest you. Today, John is lifting up for you a portrait of Jesus that you can see who he is. And if you're ever in an art gallery and you come across a portrait that is just enormous or it's just so beautiful, to to take it all in, you have to step back And so that's what John wants us to do, to take a step back and try to comprehend and grasp who Jesus is. And so today, we're going to look at three different angles, kind of associated with the deity of Jesus. And the next week, we're going to focus more on the humanity of Jesus, the fourth angle, so that we can grasp who Jesus is. So I want to ask you, is Jesus your life? Because if he's not your life, you've got the wrong Jesus. You've got a small Jesus. If you're not interested in him or even if you're a follower of him and he's kind of ho-hum, you know, I love love Jesus, but I love other things too, you don't understand who Jesus is. And John wants us to see him in all his glory so that we, for the rest of our days, will follow him, will worship him, will trust him, will serve him, will love him him that we would gaze upon the reality of Jesus so let's begin John chapter 1 and John begins his gospel with these words in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning and so we as the readers of John would say who is John referring to when he says the word who is the word Well, John, in verse 14, will tell us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word is a person. And then John will tell us in verse 15 that John the Baptist testified about this person. And then in verse 17, he'll tell us that this person is Jesus Christ. So we can read it this way. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. But we ask the question, why didn't John just said Jesus. Why did John refer to Jesus as the Word? And it's because of the culture that he was in, the narrative of the day. Throughout the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, the narrative of the day, the people that had the microphone... Uh, would say that the word, it's logos in the Greek, the word is the rationale, it's the reason behind everything that exists. It's the principle, the power, the philosophy to, to try to explain all that, that has been created. And so if you were living 2,000 years ago, you would have heard the word logos, word again and again. And there were two kind of uh, school groups that were trying to get the microphone and, and telling people what to believe and, and how to live. And the first group uh, were the Epicureans. And they said, um, we can't know what's behind everything. We can't know really the meaning of life, the, what's behind it all. So really what you're to do is to live and try to be happy. Live for pleasure. Live for happiness. And then there was another group called the the Stoics who said, yes, we agree that we can't know the, the principle or the philosophy behind everything, but the purpose of life is to live a good life to have a moral code so everything doesn't break into chaos. And so in that narrative, John comes and says, after seeing the risen Christ some 50 years earlier, says the reason, the power, the principle, the philosophy, all of that, the word, is a person. His name is Jesus. Jesus is God. That's what John wants us to know. That's his testimony. Today we have the same narrative. We can't really know if there's a God. We can't really know which religion is correct. We can't really know, you know, what's going to happen when we die. So just be happy. Parents, teach your kids. That's what life is all about. Be happy. Or we can't know all of that, but be a good person. And John says, no, that's not what it's all about. It's about a person, and his name is Jesus. He is the word. Good news for you today. If you're confused, and you don't know what life is about, you don't know what God's like, John says, look at Jesus. He's God. The answers are found in him. John goes on, verses 3 and 4. Through him, the log, logos, Jesus, through him, All things were made. And just to be clear, just so we get it, John says, without him, nothing was made that has been made. He is a pattern that John has of repeating himself, emphasizing everything is from him. And then he goes on to say, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That this one is life. He doesn't get life. He is life, and he brings that life to everybody. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people believed that the Messiah was coming to rescue them from the Romans. He was a regional Messiah, that he would bring his life and light to them. And John says, No, Jesus came for everybody, for all mankind. Jesus is life. He is the reason for your existence. He is relevant to every single person alive today, to every single person that's been alive, because he is the source of life. Your physical life is because of Jesus. Paul will say in Colossians 1, and the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 1, he's also the sustainer of life. The fact that you will have about 22,000 breaths today, every single breath, ultimately is because of Jesus. The fact that your heart's going to beat, anybody, we should have a prize for this, how many times does your heart beat every single day? Well, I guess it's different, right? We all have different numbers, but every single heartbeat of every single one of us is because of Jesus. Your skeletal system, your nervous system, your digestive system, you're going to go home and eat later today, I would guess. It's all due to Jesus. Jesus is life, but he's not only physical life, but he's spiritual life. He came to bring us spiritual life. In him was life, and the word that John uses here is not bios, uh, where we get biology, physical life. The word is zoe, meaning spiritual life, and you can be here today and be a really good person and have physical life, but not spiritual life. You can be here today and be a really smart person and have physical life, but not spiritual life. Jesus said to some really religious people, the Pharisees, in John chapter five, he said to them uh, these words, "'You diligently search the scriptures "'because you think by them you have eternal life. "'These are the scriptures that testify about me.'" yet you refuse to come to me to have what? To have life, physical life. Jesus is not simply an add-on to life or a way to enhance your life. He's life. He's physical life, but spiritual life. And that's the whole message of the baby and the cross coming to die for us so that we could be made right with God and have spiritual life. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, please understand that the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is not about you being a better person. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, you know, I'm a pretty good person as it is. Do I really need Jesus? That's not the gospel. The gospel is about dead people being made alive. All of us separated from God, dead, made alive through him. In him was life. Jesus is Life. John continues, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light, Jesus, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light of all mankind. And Jesus, this light that has come to us, shines his light into the darkness. In other words, because of our sin, we're all in the dark but he, this is 50 years later, after Jesus died and was raised the third day, he's still shining in the darkness, and the darkness, notice there, cannot overcome it. And that's what we're going to be uh, talking about Christmas Eve. In the midst, under the darkness, the light shines, and the darkness cannot overcome it. If you're a parent here, and you have a young child, uh, my kids were toddlers a long time ago, so I can't remember Uh, you know, bad dreams or nightmares they had. But parents, everybody, you've had a child that's had a nightmare in your family? Anybody? Okay, oh, good. Thank you for those hands. Great. If your child is screaming in the middle of the night and you go and rush into their room, what's the first thing you do? What would you do? Oh, I'm going to put on some Michael Buble, his Christmas album. Oh, I'm going to go and fetch them a drink. No, the first thing you do is you flick on the lights. Why? Because light dispels the darkness. It helps us to see reality, what is. And so when you turn on the lights, your child realizes, oh, hopefully they do, there's no dragons or monsters or ghosts. Similarly with us, we're in the darkness, but when Jesus shines into your life, He exposes the darkness. He dispels the darkness. So if you've lost a loved one, Jesus shining in your life, you realize, oh, death is not the end. It's been defeated. If you have a broken relationship, oh, my life is not over. No, you can still go on with Jesus. If you're hopeless and you feel like I'm unworthy and I'm not comfortable in my own skin and I wish I was somebody else, you can realize, oh, with Jesus, I am precious and valued. Or if you're uh, getting older, but even if you're not getting older, but your health is kind of slowly slipping slipping away, and you can't see like you used to, or hear like you used to, or walk like you used to, you realize this is only temporary. Jesus shining his light in your life, you realize, oh, one day I'm going to get a glorified, resurrected body. I'm not going to be like this. The light shines in the darkness. It dispels the darkness, and the darkness can't put out that light, can't put out the light of Jesus. Jesus is light. So, John is asking us to step back and see that Jesus is God, Jesus is life, Jesus is light. He's lifting and helping us to see the deity of Jesus. In his day, that was not very popular. Again, the narrative of the day be good be happy but don't tell us about Jesus being God don't tell us what absolute truth don't tell us that we need Jesus in our lives don't tell us any of that and so John was persecuted and the first followers of Jesus the disciples many of them were executed they gave up their lives because it's talking about Jesus deity is not popular fast forward 2000 years later interesting same narrative be happy be good and you can talk about Jesus as long as you talk about his teaching. But don't, you, don't, don't say anything about he's the only God and, and we need Jesus. Because if you do, there's going to be pushback. And so as a church, the temptation for us, and many churches or some churches have started to go down this path, is they stop talking about Jesus as the way, the truth, and life. And they simply say, we're about following the ethical teachings of Jesus. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Sermon on the Mount, be a good person. We're about social justice. By the way, social justice is a wonderful thing. We need to be concerned about other people in helping. But Jesus is reduced. He's made small. That's not the Jesus that John is talking about. The Jesus that John is talking about is God. He is deity and it's interesting those first followers of Jesus that was passed on so John passed it on one of his disciples was Polycarp and Polycarp Polycarp was burned at the stake not because he believed Jesus was a lovely person but because he believed Jesus was God and then Polycarp to Irenaeus and the other church fathers and, and those first followers of Jesus they were saying Jesus is God all the while experiencing pushback No, he's not. And so what happened uh, through history in those first uh, few hundred years is they came up with a few creeds about who Jesus is and what he did. And so in the Apostles' Creed, we read this. He, Jesus, was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. Who he was, what he came to do. Similarly, in the Nicene Creed, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man, Next line, for our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Here's who Jesus is, deity. Here's what he came to do, his substitutionary death on the cross for you and for me. And nowhere in those early creeds is the teaching of Jesus. There's no Sermon on the Mount, no golden rule. Now, didn't they think, those first Christians, that it was important, Jesus' teachings and his miracles? They did. But why didn't they include them? Because the miracles and the teachings all pointed to who he is and what he came to do. Jesus is God. He came to die on a cross for us. That's the most important thing. And Woodside, that is who we are about. Jesus is God, and he came to die for us. Jesus is God. Jesus is life. Jesus is light. And then John, after... we step back and we're gazing at the beauty of christ he then is going to talk and start to talk about jesus coming to his creation so let's follow in verse six there was a man sent from god whose name was john speaking of john the baptist he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe he himself was not the light he came only as a witness to the light So as Jesus comes into human history, John the baptizer realizes that he's what life is all about, realizes he's the Messiah, he's God, and John the Baptist points to Jesus, testifies to Jesus as being the light. Now, John the Baptist had some doubts along the way because he had a different preconception of who the Messiah would be, but but he did, this this is the light, and he testified to that light. That John the Baptist realized that history is about Jesus, the Bible's one story, and on the stage, Jesus is the main person. And so John the Baptist got out of the way, and so my life is about him. I'm pointing to him. If your life is about you, you'll never, ever have satisfaction in the depth of your soul. Why? Because you were made for Jesus. He's life. If life is about you, if you're the main character on the stage, you won't live the way you are meant to live. John said, he's what my life is about. 2,000 years later, if you're a follower of Jesus, we have the same calling. The life is not about us. When people see you, that you don't want them just to see you. You're hoping that they can see Jesus. And so that's why in the days ahead, we want to be more intentional about being witnesses for Jesus. And so we're asking you, as followers of Jesus at Woodside, that together we begin to look and pray. Who in my family or who around me that I rub shoulders with doesn't know Jesus? And we begin to pray. Oh, Lord, I'm praying for that person. And then given opportunity, we we ask and listen. Hey, what do you believe about life or about God? And then given opportunity, we love, we see and we love. I'm going to go and get them a coffee because I just, I want them to know they are loved. And then we invite and we share, hey, would you like to come to Christmas Eve, or would you like to come to church, or can I just tell you what's most important in my life? I want to say, if you have young kids, over and over again, you need to be a witness for Jesus with your young kids, and say, you know what, Jesus is the most important thing in my life, and if your kids are older, and they may be wandered from the Lord, can you say to them, you know, I love you, but can I just tell you Again, what's most important to me? Jesus is the most important thing, and I hope someday he will be for you. Love you. We're witnesses to the light. And then John will go on in verses 9 and 10. Again, speaking of the light coming into our world. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so John is saying, the light came into the world, Jesus came into the world, and you would think that his own, the Jewish people, those that were given the law and the prophets and the temple and the covenants and the promises, the one that were waiting for the Messiah, you would surely think the most religious people on the planet would have received him. But many didn't. They did not receive him. But John says, yet there were some that did, and because they did, they became children of God. Notice there, John puts all of humanity, all the races, in two categories. Those that receive Jesus and those that don't. Those that reject him. Two categories. We find that hard. We don't necessarily like that. How, How could that be? But that's how God sees people. God doesn't see people, good, bad, that's the defining thing, or religious or not religious. Been to church once, been to church every day of my life, or maybe every Sunday of my life. Male, female, Caucasian, Asian, educated, not educated. He doesn't see that. Receive Jesus, reject Jesus. Paul says it this way those that are in Christ, and those that are not in Christ. And we say, wait a second, two categories? What about all the people that have never heard about Jesus? What about all the people? And and we can list our reasons. And with our finite little three-ounce brains, we can't figure it out. But we do know God knows each heart, and he is just. But the reality is, as John says, you either receive Jesus or you reject him. John goes to say, that those that do receive him, that those that believe in his name, and believing in his name is not simply believing things about Jesus, it's believing into Jesus. The idea of believing and trust, you're always, you're putting your weight on something. So believing means believing into Jesus. My whole weight, my life is about Jesus. I believe he is God, and I believe he came to die on the cross for me. I need him. Jesus, I receive you as my savior. You're putting your weight on him. And when you do that, you become a child of God. And then we ask the question, wait a second, aren't we already a child of God? Well, on one hand, one sense, we're all God's created children in a sense that we're created by him. But John's not talking about that. He's talking about the other sense because we're his creation, but we're dead When we receive Jesus, we're made alive. The moment that you receive Jesus, said, I need Jesus, save me, Jesus, as we heard last week, we're born again, born from above. The moment I do that, I'm a child of God. I'm in his family forever and ever. And this is nothing to do with us. Notice he says, uh, we're born not of natural descent. So like if you think you're a child of God because of your family, John is saying, you could trace your family back. You know, go to Ancestry.com all the way back. You're not in his family. You're going back to Adam. You're a sinner. And not of human decision. It's not about human activity, what you decide. You know, I, I did this. I shared this. No, you're not a child of God because of that. Nor of a husband's will. That's the idea of a priest's will, some system. No, you're a child of God. Why? Notice he says, because you're born of God. In other words, if you're a child of God, it's because God did something in your life. Yes, you have to receive and believe, but it's God. Remember last week, the wind, it it blows where it blows, that God did something, that salvation is all of God. God does what only he can do. What if everything Jesus said was true? You're faithful to the end. And that's what John was as he wrote this opening prologue. I'm faithful to the end. He heard Jesus say, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He heard Jesus claiming to be God. And after the resurrection, he would write, Jesus is God. The Word was with God. The Word is God. He heard Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. And then John would say, he is life. In him is life. And then he heard Jesus say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so John would say, he is the light that shines in the darkness. So I ask this question today of all of you, is Jesus your life? And maybe you've been going through life and you're not interested in Jesus because he's not relevant. Or maybe you've been going through life and you have a small Jesus. John is saying, step back. Here's who Jesus really is. And so today, if you're still not sure about Jesus, you're confused, hey, if we can help you in any way, we want to point you and be a witness to Jesus. And we have something at Woodside we we usually offer twice a year called Alpha. And hopefully in 2022, we're going to do it in person. Uh, But Alpha is a place where you can ask questions about Jesus, about the Christian faith. And at Woodside, we want to be a safe place for people to come and to meet and know and follow Jesus if you're here and you've dismissed Jesus he's not relevant to you John is saying you need to look at him again Because he's the one that's given you physical life, and he's the one that wants to give you spiritual life And if you're here today and Jesus is your everything be encouraged keep trusting keep worshiping keep following him There's a Christian author who uh, lost his 21 year old son um, I think it was last year in 20, this past year in 2021. And um, if you've ever lost a loved one, you know you, you have a, a greater longing for heaven. And so he asked this question. He said, When we get to heaven, what's the first thing we're going to see? What's the first thing we're going to hear? What's the first thing we're going to feel and experience? And, and he said, You know, we're all speculating. We don't really know for sure. But he said, I think it's going to be a cry of victory. So many a cry of joy and relief and vindication, that we've walked through Jesus, our, walked with Jesus our whole lives by faith and not by sight, when everybody seemed to go in the other direction, we're going in this direction. And it's true. Jesus really is true. Or maybe uh, he says, "We've been going through love, life and we've suffered." and 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 we've given up things and and you know maybe you've given up time serving jesus and you've given up money you know in the cause of jesus and there's some people in our lives in our world today who have given up their life they're dying today because of jesus and it's this cry it's true it was worth it all a cry of victory could be for me as i speculate i would probably think it's a moment of silence that in heaven I'm going to have to step back and gaze upon the one not only who is God, who is life and who is light, but the one who died for me so that I might have eternal life. Is Jesus your life?